text for the sermon this afternoon is the Word of God, as the Church has summarized and confessed it in Lord's Day 25 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 25 has as heading, Word and Sacraments. Here the church confesses, since then faith alone makes us share in Christ and all his benefits. Where does this faith come from? From the Holy Spirit, who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by their use he might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise, that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Two, holy baptism and the holy supper. After the sermon, we will respond with the singing of hymn 42, all six stanzas. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, something that we frequently come across in the word of God is the fact that we are all on a journey. Our life is a pilgrimage as we make our way to the eternal glory and rest that God has in store for us. We read about the reality of that rest in Hebrews 4. Now as you know for any journey there are not only preparations that have to be made in advance but there are also difficulties that will possibly be encountered along the way and that have to be dealt with. We know that from practical examples in our own lives. When we go on a trip, our vehicle can very easily break down. Or there can be obstacles such as a road closure or an accident. And then we're forced to take a different kind of detour. We may have to leave our intended path to reach our final destination. And if you're talking about a physical journey, then making a detour is not always a horrible thing. And we have maps and we have GPS to help us reach our destination. But when it comes to our pilgrimage through this life of sorrows that ends in the New Jerusalem, such obstacles are not as easy to navigate. And that's partly because there are no detours that can be taken. When it comes down to it, then on the pilgrimage of life, there's only two paths to take. There's the narrow road that leads to eternal life, 
or there is the wide road which leads to destruction. So when there are obstacles, when there are difficulties that we have to deal with head on because we simply can't avoid them, it can be very easy to lose confidence in where we're going. Because of our human weakness, we easily get confused. We get dismayed. We don't know exactly what's happening or how to handle it. We lose sight of the destination or we even despair of reaching that eternal rest. However, God having called us to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, he ensures that we do reach the fullness of his kingdom. And the way in which he does this, we find laid out for us in Lord's Day 25. Knowing that we have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ and not by our works, as we've confessed in the previous Lord's Days, we now see how God preserves us in that faith. And about this, I preach to you the word of God under the following theme. On the way to glory, the Spirit preserves us using the means of grace. And we'll see that he does so first through the preaching and secondly through the sacraments. It's easy to see that question and answer 65 logically follows from what we just confessed in Lord's Days 23 and 24. In those previous Lord's Days, it was made clear that the only way to be saved is through faith in the Son of God. Good works on our part, they'll never make the cut. They don't earn us anything. They're evidence of the power of Jesus Christ that's at work in us. It's only through faith. So where does this faith come from? And the catechism makes it clear that faith is not just something that's naturally a part of us. Instead, faith is a gift of God that he graciously gives to his people. Right from the beginning of this Lord's Day, you see God's amazing work being placed right in the center. He's the one who sent his son to obtain our salvation. And he's the one who graciously gives us the faith we need to cling to his son. And this faith is something that's worked in us by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Trinity. We confess that in answer 65. Now that's interesting language that the catechism uses here, congregation. Faith is something that is worked in us. So on the one hand, it's not something that we can do to ourselves. It's not something that we can just reach out and grab for ourselves. But on the other hand, it's not something that just magically appears in us either. Faith is worked by the Holy Spirit, and he uses specific tools to do his work. The Catechism says that when it comes to faith being worked in us, then the Spirit does this through the preaching of the gospel. Now that most certainly does not eliminate the need for personal Bible reading, personal Bible meditation at home. The Spirit also uses that. But since the Catechism focuses in on the preaching of the gospel, then that will also have our focus this afternoon. And note also how the Catechism in Answer 65 clearly distinguishes between the Spirit's use of the preaching 
and the sacraments. It says that faith is worked in us by the preaching. And thus, by extension, faith is also strengthened by the preaching as well. This means that the Spirit uses to work faith can be used to strengthen faith. But that's not the case for the sacraments. The Catechism teaches us that faith is strengthened by the sacraments, but faith is not worked by the sacraments. And so we rightly say that the primary means of grace that the Holy Spirit uses to do his work is the preaching of the gospel. And that's something that comes out in our scripture reading as well. There we read about the promise of an eternal rest in the new Jerusalem, a promise which still stands. And we know about that promise. We know about the new Jerusalem. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse 2, because we also had the good news that came to us. So all these things that we know when it comes to the faith, they are because we have the primary means of grace. We have the preaching of the gospel. It's through that means that the Spirit brings us to faith, and it's through that means that he continues to instruct us about the way of faith. He teaches us how we are to walk for when the journey becomes more difficult. Through the preaching that we receive instruction about how to navigate the obstacles that our sworn enemies place before us time and again so that we will eventually arrive at our eternal home. But then notice the language that both scripture and confession use. They don't speak about the preaching of the word. Instead, there's different vocabulary. Hebrews 4, verse 2, and Lord's Day 25, they both speak about the preaching of the good news, or the gospel. Now, at first, this sounds like we're being just a little bit picky about words and vocabulary. Brothers and sisters, that's not the case. Because you see, at all times, the focus of the preaching must be the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ and the fact that by the shedding of his precious blood, he's paid for our sin and he's opened the way to eternal life in the kingdom of God. That alone is the core of the message. That is the message that the Spirit uses to work faith in the hearts of God's people. The Spirit directs them time and again to their Savior who accomplished everything that was necessary for salvation. It is a message that must be proclaimed time and time and time again. Because it's not natural for people to place their trust in someone else. People by nature, they have a savior complex, so to speak. We want to be the ones who fix our own problems. We also want to fix the problems of other people. And also as we're making our pilgrimage, we want to get to our destination by our own strength. If there was a problem along the way, we want to figure it out by ourselves because we think we have it in us to do so. But what God teaches us in his word is that what we want in this regard simply isn't possible. We easily overestimate our own potential and our abilities rather than trying to figure out a potential detour and getting stuck somewhere along the way, 
making our mess even worse, our loving Father comes to us through the preaching. He says, no, 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 don't look within. Don't look in yourself. He tells us each week, look to Jesus Christ. Because it is only through continuing faith in Christ, faith worked and strengthened and increased by the preaching, it's only through that faith that we will arrive at the glory God has prepared for us. And in his word, God also tells us just how much Christ does for us. We can think about the last three verses we read together. There it said, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. And you can easily say that this is the message to be the core of the preaching. The support we need for our pilgrimage is not found in a person's own inner strength. The church cannot preach a message of self-help. Instead, we say all the support, all the strength you need, it comes through Jesus Christ. He's our great high priest. He made full atonement for our sins. He understands all our human weakness. He's been tempted in every way just as we are. He sympathizes with everything we have to go through. And he alone provides us with everything we need for our journey to the new Jerusalem. That's why the church must continue to proclaim the message of Christ. It's that message that the Spirit uses to work and strengthen faith. We confess in answer 67, the Spirit teaches us in the Gospel that the only way of salvation is found in the Son of God and His sacrifice on the cross. There is no other solution. There is no other way. And thus God's people must believe that message. They must cling to that message both in prosperity and in adversity. And there is that side that we have to consider as well. The preaching of the gospel is the primary means that the Spirit uses to work and strengthen faith, but that places God's people under the holy obligation, namely that they must come to the place where the Spirit uses that tool, that being the worship services. When these worship services take place and the proclamation of the gospel goes out once again, then there has to be active attention and active working with that message. Without that active participation, then the gospel will have no effect. And it's not because of a weakness on the part of the Holy Spirit. It's the hardening of heart on the part of a person. Hebrews 4 verse 2 it says for good news came to us just as to them but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened now when it's speaking here about others or them then the spirit is referring to the people of Israel who acted in unbelief in the wilderness 
who didn't enter the promised land, but who died in the desert. Those people heard the same gospel that the Hebrew Christians heard. The only difference is that the Hebrews acted in faith while the wilderness generation acted in unbelief. The gospel does no good for those who close their ears to its message and refuse to believe it. The gospel is not just something that can be heard and then left in the church building. No, the gospel is something that must be lived, something that must be put into practice every day again in every part of our lives. James writes in James 1 verse 22, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There has to be that active response, that active working with the gospel on the part of the hearer. The preaching of the gospel as used by the Holy Spirit, it's something that changes lives, it shapes and it molds people along their journey. And we know that it's possible because of what it said in Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word is living. God's word is active. It's not just simply letters and words in a book. It's the power of God unto the salvation of sinners. make our pilgrimage and we run into different obstacles and it's very easy to get discouraged to lay blame at the feet of others we even see it often that the church gets blamed people leave the church they say that their faith is not being strengthened in the church where they are a member but it's better when they go to another church and certainly we can admit that among the preachers of the gospel, there are many weaknesses and shortcomings. We can admit that not every sermon will have the same impact as others. And that's not an excuse. It's simply an acknowledgement that God in his wisdom and grace uses weak clay jars to bring out the treasures of the gospel. But to say that one's faith is not being strengthened in a church through the preaching, that's not actually putting the blame on the church nor is it even putting the blame on the preacher what the person is actually doing is they're laying the blame on the Holy Spirit when the true gospel is proclaimed when you hear the word of God from this pulpit then the Holy Spirit will use that to work and strengthen faith Maybe not in the way we like or the way we prefer, but he will use it. That's what he promises to do. And by using the preaching in such a way, the Spirit preserves us on the way of faith to our destination, the eternal rest in store for us. But when we see that it's through the preaching of the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that the Spirit keeps us on that way of faith, then we see how important every single worship service is as well. Because there is not a single person who has perfect faith. Our faith is something that must continually be strengthened and increased in 
that's not something that's going to change at any point in this life. And so God calls us together every week again so that by the power of the Spirit, we might do exactly what we need. As long as it's called today, then the gospel of the Son of God must continue to be proclaimed so that the Spirit can use that preaching to work and strengthen faith. And as often as that gospel is proclaimed, then believers have the obligation to respond to the preaching in faith, to put all their hope, to put all their trust in Jesus Christ. We read about that in Hebrews 4 verse 7. And the ultimate reason that God provides us with the preaching of the gospel is because of his love That is something that can never be stated enough. In his love, our Father in heaven ensures, exact, ensures that we receive everything we need to preserve us on the way of faith. In his love, he focuses our attention time and again on Jesus Christ. He points us to his suffering. He points us to his death and his resurrection. And how he's broken the power of sin and that he's obtained our full salvation. As we make our way through this life of sorrows, God then reminds us every week again that we're not making this journey by our own strength, but that it is His Spirit guiding us. His Spirit's guiding us by pointing us in the right direction. And if that wasn't enough for us already, in His love, God gives us a second means of grace that the Spirit uses to strengthen our faith as well. We come to our second point. Answer 65 of the Catechism, we confess that the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith through the use of the sacraments. We noted earlier it's important to be aware of that distinction between the preaching and the sacraments. The sacraments are there for the strengthening of our faith, but not for the increase of our faith. So we would misuse this gift of God if we would ever give the sacraments more importance than the preaching. You'll remember that this is exactly what the Roman church had done in the time before the Reformation. They put all the emphasis on the Mass and on the other sacraments and not on the preaching of the Gospel. But by God's grace, during the time of the Reformation, the Church of Jesus Christ was brought back to the truth. That truth that is the preaching that should have the central focus. And yet that does not mean we can ignore the sacraments either as though they're not important. The sacraments as well are given to us from the love of God. And as we confess in answer 66, the, the sacraments were instituted by God so that by their use, he might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. God gave us the sacraments for a specific purpose, namely to make it clear to us beyond a shadow of a doubt what Jesus Christ has accomplished on our behalf. Now, there's no doubt that in the Bible, in the Word of God, God tells us in very clear language about what His Son has done. He tells us that glorious gospel concerning His Son's death on the cross, how He's paid for all our debt. Everything we need to know for our salvation is contained in the Scriptures. So then why did the sacraments have to be added? 
the answer to that question was quite probing and penetrating. It was because we have weak faith. And that's not because the Holy Spirit doesn't give us enough faith. It's not because the faith that the Spirit gives us is faulty. But it's because we are sinful people filled with all kinds of questions and doubts. We face the attacks of our sworn enemies every day again. The devil, this world, and our own flesh. And the devil is an expert on getting people to doubt and to question what God actually says. And doing it right from the beginning. And God also knows that we are easily deceived and that we easily lose focus. And that's not part of his plan either. As though going through life questioning everything God says is actually a good thing, which is exactly what some modern liberal Christian theologians teach. Because the promises of God that come to us in the gospel, they are true, they are certain, they, are can't, they cannot be changed, and the triune God will carry them out. God wants his people to have the full assurance of faith as they make their way to the new Jerusalem. That confidence of faith we read about in Hebrews 4 verse 16. And so to provide us with that extra measure of assurance, our loving and faithful God, he gives us something that we can see with our own eyes. By giving the sacraments, he says to us, I'm going to make sure that you can see for yourself what my son has done for you. The word itself is sufficient. But in his care for us and our salvation, God goes yet another step. He gives us the two sacraments, namely baptism and holy supper. But just as the preaching of the gospel requires active participation and attention on the part of the hearers, so also the sacraments require active use on the part of God's people. That's the language of our confession in both answer 65 and 66. It's not enough just to sit back and watch the water of baptism being sprinkled or the bread being broken and the wine poured out at the Lord's Supper. The Holy Spirit does not strengthen our faith when we watch the sacraments. It's when we use the sacraments. We should be clear what exactly it means to use the sacraments. After all, it seems as though there are times when that simply isn't possible. How can children use the Lord's Supper when they aren't permitted to partake? How can we use baptism when only certain people are involved here at the church, at the front of the church? So clearly there is a difference between using and being directly involved. And that's a key difference that helps us to point in the right direction. Because even when we aren't personally or directly involved, we can still see with our eyes the promise of the gospel being signed and sealed with the different elements of the sacraments. And seeing it with our eyes also gives us something to talk about with each other. We can talk about the promises of the triune God that have been given to each one of us who were baptized. We can speak about these things with our children, with our family, 
with our friends. And together we can reflect on how rich those promises of God are, just how certain they are. In fact, there's nothing better for us to talk about than the promises that God has given to us. And that's what it really means to use the sacraments, not just watching with our eyes, but then working with what we see and thinking about how the sacraments point us to Jesus Christ. That's what the purpose of sacraments really is. They're not mere rituals that we do out of custom or tradition. No, they are tools of the Holy Spirit. Tools that he uses to strengthen our faith as we continue our journey to the new Jerusalem. active use of sacraments is not something unique to the New Testament church either. It was already a part of the original sacraments that God gave to his people in the Old Testament. You can think about circumcision. In Genesis 11, 17 verse 11, God tells Abraham that it's a sign of the covenant. It was a constant reminder to Abraham and his descendants of the promises that God had made and the certainty of those promises. And that was something that Abraham and his seed had to ponder on and reflect on continually throughout all their life. We also see active use in, pa in the Passover. The people had to celebrate it annually so that every year again they'd be reminded of the fact that God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. The Passover was not just a routine meal. It had special meaning behind it had to be celebrated at a certain time, in a specific way. Just going through the motions in the Passover celebration wouldn't have been of any use for the people. Only with active use and reflection would they be reminded about the work of God, which he had accomplished in the past, but that also applied for their present. Again, why God gives us sacraments. Not so that through them we can say something to him, but so that by their use he might say something to us. He wants to teach us. He wants to instruct us. He wants to show us what Jesus Christ has done for us. Also through the sacraments he teaches us to look to our Savior in all circumstances so that as our faith is strengthened, we have that growing confidence to seek everything we need from the throne of grace in our time of need. Hebrews 4, verse 16. And when we think about both means of grace in this way, then it can only lead to grateful thanksgiving to our triune God. Because in the midst of this life, this life filled with confusion, this life filled with obstacles. God doesn't leave us to figure things out for ourselves. He guides us every step of the way. As we hear time and again, God begins our salvation, God sustains us in our salvation, and God completes our salvation. when we recognize the preaching of the gospel and the sacraments to be the tools that the Spirit uses, then it should give us a longing and desire to take every opportunity possible to use those means. Those are the ways 
that the Spirit keeps you on the way of salvation. And since you cannot make it by yourself, why would you not want to receive from God the increase and the strengthening of your faith that you need? The Spirit uses those means of grace to teach us every time we use them about what Jesus Christ has accomplished, that he's purchased us to be the children of God, that he sustains us in our journey to the new Jerusalem, and nowhere does the Lord say that this is going to be an easy road. But in his love and care for us, God gives us these means of grace so that by their use the Spirit might preserve us on the way of faith, all so that we do in time reach our destination safely, in the eternal rest, the kingdom of God, the new Jerusalem. Amen.